Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Pastor Matthew Fuller. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Man, I don't need to preach. We just had the message. Did you guys see that? It happened right over here on the side. Can you put that Jesus slide back up? I think that looks better behind me than that. Yeah, I like that. What do you guys think? All right, I'm going to share a little bit of what's on my heart this morning. We're going to do it until, we'll probably go until one or two today, so um, if that's okay. Is that all right? We're going to get lunch catered in. Yeah, mud penny. All right, thank you, Lord. Man, I was so excited seeing, uh, seeing these baptisms take place over here. My heart just came alive. Like, this is a bunch of people that just said, faith in Jesus Christ is all that matters. I've tried doing life on my own. I've tried figuring out. I've tried working it out on my own. But faith in Christ is all that matters at the end of the day. How many of you know that your righteousness is based on what Jesus did and only on what he did? Like your righteousness, there is nothing more or less that you can do to prove your acceptance and your love to God. He already did it 2,000 years ago. So every effort that you do to try to prove your righteousness to him is nothing but vain repetition. It is nothing but no good dead religion. Faith in Jesus alone is all that matters. His righteousness flowing through your life can only happen because of what was purchased on the cross 2,000 years ago. Galatians 5 says like this, he says, hey, and I'm going to paraphrase here. He says, do you know that if you go and you circumcise yourself to try to prove your righteousness, you now have to come under and follow the entire law? That's what Paul is saying to the church in, in, the, in Galatia. He's saying, if you try to prove your righteousness in and of yourself, apart from faith in Jesus alone, you are now subject to the entire law. So when we try to work out our righteousness on our own, we are saying that the law is better than the purchased blood of Jesus Christ over your life. He said, look, you started off well, but who convinced you from obeying the truth. This truth that he is talking about is that faith alone in Jesus Christ is all that matters. Let's turn our Bibles to Colossians chapter two. Verse one, we're gonna, we're gonna zip through this whole chapter real quick. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything that you need is found in Jesus. Now I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. 
As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone, listen to this, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The full recipe of you walking, of you being a Christian is Christ and Christ alone. He's saying, look, don't let anybody try to convince you that you need anything else but Christ. Don't try to let anybody convince you that you need some great philosophy, some some fancy teaching. All you need, everything that you have need of is found in Christ and in Christ alone. You know, we, in my restaurant, we, uh, we really, we pursue creativity. We, we've got, we're kind of on this mission, like how far can we push the boundaries of our food? How, how much can we show and, and display the creativity that God has given us? You know, it, it, the first thing that God uh, referenced to himself in the Bible is as Elohim, which is as creator. I am made in the image of God. As one that is made in the image of God, I am a creative person. Each and every person in this room is a creative. And so I want to display that through everything that I do, and that includes uh, at my restaurant. And so we try pushing this, this bounds of creativity, and as, as the vision of the restaurant progresses, you know, we try to go further and further as far as what it looks like to be creative. But we've realized along the way that tasty food is the goal. <laughs> like, if it doesn't taste good, who cares how creative you are? <laughs> I remember we had this one, this one dish on the menu, and we had uh, this, it was called Millennial Toast, which is just avocado toast, which us millennials love for whatever reason. And uh, we're like, well, let's get creative with it. We're going to confit that avocado, and then we're going to take beets, and we're going to roast them for a long time, and we're going to grind it up into ash, and we're going to put roasted uh, beet ash over this confit avocado, and we're going to set it on custard. Instead of putting it on toast, we're going to take that bread, we're going to put it in the oven, we're going to cut it up in chunks, and then you get a build. It's a deconstructed millennial toast that you get to build yourself super creative. And then you put it in your mouth and you spit it back out. (laughs) You see, the further that we get into trying to build our creativity, the more that we realize that we actually have to bridle ourselves, reserve ourselves into what actually matters most, and that's good tasting food. Same thing happens instrumentally. You know, when I first started learning how to do scales, I remember, man, I would just sit up here and rip. The whole service. I don't care about the rest of the team. I am skilled now. But actually, the better that I've gotten at guitar, the more that I realize that I actually have to reserve, actually pull myself back into what actually matters most. Just because I can play a bunch of notes doesn't mean I should play them. I actually have to just focus on good music coming out as an entire band. And the same thing happens with us in our walk with God. Like we start this walk with Christ and Christ alone. You are all that I need in my life. Everything that I have done has not worked out and you are all that matters. We get face to face with him. And then we learn. (laughs) And we learn these great philosophies. We learn these new principles for us to follow. 
And if we're not careful, we can get caught in all of the things of the kingdom and forget about the king of the kingdom. And so I feel like God is calling us in maturity to bring back to what actually matters, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. See, without Jesus, all that stuff doesn't even matter. All it is is manifestations of him anyway. And when we separate the king from his kingdom, then we've, all we're doing is serving dead religion. I had a good friend over uh, to my house this past week. Man, this guy, he inspires me probably more top two, three people in the world in my walk with God. And he's been walking with the Lord for 64 years. It's a long time. It's longer than me at least. And I remember I was sitting there and I was talking to him and I said, hey, you know, I, you've seen all the different revivals. You've watched God move in different ways and you've heard, you know, this new teaching, that new teaching. You know, what, what, what is that like? Like, what, do, what are you seeing? And he said, you know what? I've seen this come and I've seen this go. But no matter what's taking place, I always remember that Christ is all that matters. It all has to point back to Christ. And he started talking about, you know, we've got uh, unconditional election. We've got people that are predestined in the kingdom or those that choose by free will. And he said, you know what, when, when, when somebody gets saved, you don't say to them, well, were you predestined for this moment or is this your choice right now? We're bringing them to a person. And that person is Jesus. And we can get so lost in all of the things outside of the man, Jesus Christ, that we forget this walk that we walk is one of intimacy for a God that is alive and he is here today. It's about serving the king of kings, a real person that we are to live in intimacy and relationship with. Jesus is all that matters. Relationship with Christ is the main point. You know, uh, when we focus on the acts of God and we judge our walk with God based on what we do, it's like judging a marriage by how many dates they go on. It's like judging a marriage by the amount of gifts maybe that one person gives another. And for not realizing who they're sitting at the table with. Like, are they actually living in intimacy with one another, or are they just doing the act of marriage? See, the act of marriage doesn't make a good marriage. Intimacy with two people makes a great marriage. The ability to love, to lay down your life for one another makes a real powerful marriage. And when we focus on the acts, Outside of, of, of the actual relationship, like I said earlier, we focus on a religion denying the Christ that this whole thing is all about. You see, when we, when we get saved, we realize Jesus is all that matters. And then we start to learn things like Jesus and healing and prophecy. Look, the Bible says to pursue prophecy. The Bible says to pursue spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with them. But when we see them separate from the man, we've missed the point. Jesus and prophecy and healing and service and salvation will learn about how to save people. But it's Jesus who heals. It's Jesus who speaks. It's Jesus who serves and it's Jesus who saves. 
This was never meant to be a, a religious activity, something that for us to do, a thing for us to do once a week or maybe, maybe a couple times a week. But it was meant to be a relationship with a person that bought and paid for our salvation, that took the chastisement of our peace upon him. This is about actually living in intimacy with the one that created us, with the one that matters most. Poor baby. You know, Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. And I feel like so much, since all of this COVID stuff has taken place, you know, everything that we had built our lives upon, if we were focused on the things that we do, it all got stripped away. And we saw this great falling away of the church. We heard, you know, we hear the statistics, maybe 40% or so of the church that is left. And I truly believe it's because those that left weren't already sitting on the lap of the one that matters most. You see, if we're not careful... We can preach a message of religious activity, saving people into community and never actually introducing them to the King of Kings. I was reading this book called Power Through Prayer by Ian Bounds, and he was talking about the, the, the fact that scientists can lose God in their study of nature, and preachers can lose God in the study of their sermons. Each and every one of us are preaching the gospel in some form or another, whether it's on the platform or the way that we live our daily lives. Each one of us are walking epistles read by all men. Are we living a life that displays relationship with the one that matters, or are we living a life of empty religious activity? Look, we can build churches, we can, we can, we can gather people around doing things that make us feel good inside. We can gather around things of, of helping each other that are really, are, are, are really great and genuine things to do. But if they're not coming from the person of Christ, then it doesn't matter. Then we're serving the thing and not the king. And this is what's been burdening so much on my heart lately. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Look, if we find ourselves stuck in the motions, that life is so busy, I want this morning to be an opportunity to do an inventory on what it is that you're building. My wife and I, the last year and a half, we've had to do this inventory on ourselves. Look, I was real busy building up my business, serving here at the church, doing a bunch of really good things, meeting with people all the time, helping them through their problems doing all the good things that I'm supposed to do, and in the meantime, anxious, full of fear, not sleeping. I, on average, I slept three to four hours a night. That was a great night, as if I would actually sleep four in a row. 
at some point, we start this walk in relationship with Jesus, and then we continue it by getting our eyes on the things of the kingdom and off of the king of the kingdom. So we started stripping ourselves back. We started saying no over and over again. Look, I'm all for doing great things. I am all for building the kingdom here. I am still 100% a go-getter. I am pursuing the kingdom of God here upon this earth. But what I'm not willing to do anymore is to do it apart of intimacy with Jesus. Look, we can pursue healing. We can pursue great prophetic words, which are awesome. They make us feel alive inside. We can see that Jesus actually loves us. But if those prophetic words, if the sum of my ministry takes place here and not on my knees at home, then what is it? Look, we need sermons that are filled with the presence of God. We need worship that is filled with the presence of God. We need outreach that is filled with the presence of God. We need families that are filled with the presence of God. This presence isn't an idea that we try to find. This presence isn't an idea that we talk to each other about. It is a person that we speak with, that we go to, that the Bible says contains all wisdom and knowledge. In Acts, it says, look, wait here for the Holy Spirit to come so that you can be witnesses of me. Everything that we do, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit here upon this earth are nothing more than the manifestation of the person of Jesus Christ. They are meant to point to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They are meant to point to the perfect one, the one that always was, the one that always will be, that gave his life, that sacrificed his life for your salvation, that took the stripes upon his back, that was beaten to a point where he was unrecognizable, so that you could live for all of eternity with your Father, with the one that made you. The whole point of our gatherings together are not just to be excited with one another, but it's about capturing the face of Christ. It's meant to be a community of people together that are so in love, that that do not love this world for anything. And all they care about is Jesus Christ and seeing him glorified on the earth. When we have this heart attitude that all we want to see is Jesus, and yes, I'm going to pursue prophecy so that the world can hear Jesus speak. Yes, I am going to pursue healing the sick so they can see how much Jesus actually cares for them. Not for another notch on my Bible. Look, I'm going to serve my neighbor. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that the world can experience the sacrificial love of Christ. And I'm going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom to you because there's a king that's worthy of it. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves working hard at building a kingdom that we're calling his and it's nothing more than our own. Look, and I'm not trying to make this heavy at all. I know that it can sound that way when I, when I speak sometimes. But the reality is, is I want to compel you to find Jesus and to not move on from that. I want to compel you to find him on your knees at home, not only here on Sunday mornings, to find him in your workplace, to ask him his thoughts over your life, to ask him what what he thinks of this world, to ask him what it is that he would have you do 
what it is that he would have you say, what it is that he would have you preach to, to, to maybe your neighbors, to your children, to the way that you would actually live your life so that he can be seen. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Father, I thank you for this reality that you are burning in each and every one of us, this display of people that are saying, Jesus is all that matters. Those that have given their lives, that have died to self and are alive now in you. Father, I pray that we would never be tricked through empty deceit, through philosophies, through great teaching that distracts us from the person of Jesus Christ. Look, this Bible is meant to bring you to a person. The prayers that we pray are not meant to just bring some transformation. They're meant to go to a person. So Jesus, arrest us with your love this morning. We commit our intimacy to you and to you alone. We thank you for the gifts that you have given us and we will not waste them. We will pursue them and use them, but we will not do it apart from you. Help us to keep our focus on what matters most, not to get lost in great ideas and revelation all of the things that impress us with human wisdom. But Lord, bring us back to what truly matters. And that is that you would be glorified. You are all that matters most, Jesus. So daily we submit ourselves to your lordship over our lives. Daily we submit ourselves to you as king of our lives. Remove the distractions. Remove the things that keep us from you, the busyness, the empty activities that are doing nothing more than wasting time. Yeah. I just really feel this morning that there is, um, I think that there's something on that. There can be, Look, in, in uh, architecture, there's this saying that form follows function. That means if you're trying to build a chicken coop, you don't build a horse barn. What you build at the end is going to serve the purpose for which it is being built. In our lives, if we're looking at the form, the way that we are living our lives, is it actually built in the way that it is meant to be functioned? Like if you're called to be a missionary, you're probably not gonna, you know, build some big house that you're strapped to a mortgage on. (laughs) I really feel like there is an opportunity that is taking place. Look, we are right on the right on the cusp of some, we're actually in the middle of some great and mighty things that have happened. We just saw people, kids declaring. I don't want to live my life anymore the way that I'm living it. I want to go, I want my life to be sold out to Jesus. I mean, that was beautiful. I was just rocked by what took place this morning. There are some amazing, thing hap- amazing things happening. 
And in order for us to sustain those amazing things happening, we need to do an honest inventory about the way that we've built up our lives. Like if you have to work so much because you have to serve your mortgage, then sell your house. If you have to work so much to keep up with your car payments, get a cheaper car. The Western way of living is not the way of the kingdom. America is not heaven. The American dream is not the Great Commission. And when we serve something, an idea outside of the king, we are subjecting ourselves to a religion outside of relationship with Christ and Christ alone. He is king, and that's it. End of story. The ingredients of Christianity is Christ and Christ alone. And so if life is, is if you found yourself in life building or being slaves to the way that you have built your life, I am here to tell you there is absolutely 100% freedom from that life. We, in my family, we have made the decisions to make changes, and I'm telling you, we have more freedom now than we have ever had in our entire marriage. I'm not talking about freedom just to sit on the couch. I'm talking about freedom to do the things that God has actually called us to do. I'm talking about building a life that is building up the kingdom. Not just wasting it away on the things that this world has to offer. And so if you found yourself serving this world more than the kingdom, then I'm telling you, it's time to repent. And there is going to be an opportunity and a grace released for, you, for your life. There will be opportunities that will come up for a transition and changes to take place. But you just have to say yes. It can be uncomfortable. It can be awkward. There can be hard conversations ahead that you don't want to have. I think, uh, did I just have like a southern drawl that just took place there? Did anybody hear that? That was wild. Is Jesus from the south? Is there any else, anybody in here from the south? We got two people that are Christians in the room. I need to move back to the south. See, I, I lived in North Carolina for a year, so I can do it if I need to. I don't even know where I was going with this. There can be hard conversations and hard decisions that need to take place, but it's going to be an easier life in the end. There was something that my mom had posted maybe a week or so ago, and it was like, easy is not easy. Easy is the hardest thing to do. When you try to take the easy road, it ends up being the hard. When you take the hard path, that's when the easy road is actually found. When you find yourself in your actual purpose and the thing that for you are actually called to do, when you're working hard, blazing a trail that you've never been made to walk on, that is the hardest thing to do. And all you have to do is say yes to what it is that God has for your life. I'm telling you, I think that there are job changes in this place. I think that there are houses being sold in this place. There are radical decisions that need to take place in order for us to build up a life that actually serves the king, that we're not serving this life that we are building. As hard as that is to, to hear, it's the truth. We've had to do it in our own lives, and I'm telling you, it is the way. I have more peace now than I've ever had in my entire life. 
So Father, I thank you. If there are those that are feeling that conviction this morning, I thank you, Lord, for grace to be released. Father, that you would break down the American dream, the things that we serve outside of attempting to serve you, Lord. Father, I thank you for repentance from focusing our eyes on this world and not on your kingdom. And I thank you for grace to be released for the transitions and the changes this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. It's as simple as that. So I want to challenge you this week. Get on your knees at home. Look, don't make some big decision right now and quit your job. Unless Jesus told you to. But what I want to encourage you to do is go home and hit your knees. Actually get face to face with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Ask him what it is that he's speaking over your life. What are the things that are out of alignment, that are misaligned in life that he is wanting to realign? The things that you've been focusing on that are not adding to you, but are distracting you from him. Get on your knees and pray and bring people in to your journey with you. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.